0: Good day to my internet friends. It is May 18th and we are on day 137 of Bible in a Year with Bill. Today we're going to be continuing in the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to be reading chapters 10 to 12 and we're going to finish off today's reading with Proverbs chapter 26 verses 1 to 16. So let's get right into it. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 10. Then Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on Saul's head, and kissed him. He said, Do you see what this means? God has anointed you prince over his people. This sign will confirm God's anointing of you as prince over his inheritance. After you leave me today, as you get closer to your home country of Benjamin, you'll meet two men near Rachel's tomb. They'll say, the donkeys you went to look for are found. Your father has forgotten about the donkeys and is worried about you, wringing his hands quite beside himself. Leaving there, you'll arrive at the Oak of Tabor. There you'll meet three men going up to worship God at Bethel. One will be carrying three young goats, another carrying three sacks of bread, and the third a jug of wine. They'll say, hello, how are you? And offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept. Next, you'll come to Gibeah of God, where there's a Philistine garrison. As you approach the town, you'll run into a bunch of prophets coming down from the shrine, playing harps and tambourines, flutes and drums, and they'll be prophesying. Before you know it, the Spirit of God will come on you, and you'll be prophesying right along with them, and you'll be transformed. You'll be a new person. When these confirming signs are accomplished, you'll know that you're ready. Whatever job you're given to do, To do, do it. God is with you. Now go down to Gilgal and I will follow. I'll come down and join you in worship by sacrificing burnt offerings and peace offerings. Wait seven days, then I'll come and tell you what to do next. Saul turned and left Samuel. At that very moment, God transformed him, made him a new person, and all the confirming signs took place the same day. When Saul and his party got to Gibeah, there were the prophets right in front of them. Before he knew it, the Spirit of God came on Saul and he was prophesying right along with them. When those who had previously known Saul saw him prophesying with the prophets, they were totally surprised. What's going on here? What's come over the son of Kish? How on earth did Saul get to be a prophet? One man spoke up and said, Who started this? Where did these people ever come from? That's how the saying got started, Saul among the prophets, who would have guessed? When Saul was done prophesying, he returned home. His uncle asked him and his servants, so where have you been all this time? Out looking for the donkeys. We looked and looked and couldn't find them. And then we found Samuel. So, said Saul's uncle, what did Samuel tell you? Saul said, he told us not to worry. The donkeys had been found. But Saul didn't breathe a word to his uncle of what Samuel said about the king business. Samuel called the people to assemble before God at Mizpah. He addressed the children of Israel. This is God's personal message to you. I brought Israel up out of Egypt. I delivered you from Egyptian oppression. Yes, from all the bullying governments that made your life miserable. And now you want nothing to do with your God, the very God who has a history of getting you out of troubles of all sorts. And now you say, no, we want a king. Give us a king. Well, if that's what you want, that's what you'll get. Present yourselves formally before God, ranked in tribes and families. After Samuel got all the tribes of Israel lined up, the Benjamin tribe was picked. Then he lined up the Benjamin tribe in family groups, and the family of Matri was picked. The family of Matri took its place in the lineup, and the name Saul, son of Kish, was picked. But when they went looking for him, he was nowhere to be found. Samuel went back to God, "'Is he anywhere around?' God said, yes, he's right over there, hidden in that pile of baggage. They ran and got him. He took his place before everyone, standing tall, head and shoulders above them. Samuel then addressed the people, take a good look at whom God has chosen, the best, no one like him in the whole country. Then a great shout went up from the people, long live the king. Samuel went on to instruct the people in the rules and regulations involved in a kingdom, wrote it all down in a book and placed it before God. Then Samuel sent everyone home. Saul also went home to Gibeah, and with him some true and brave men whom God moved to join him. But the riffraff went off muttering, Deliverer, don't make me laugh. They held him in contempt and refused to congratulate him. But Saul paid them no mind. Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was brutalizing the tribes of Gad and Reuben, gouging out their right eyes and intimidating anyone who would come to Israel's help. There were very few Israelites living on the east side of the Jordan River who had not had their right eyes gouged out by Nahash. But 7,000 men had escaped from the Ammonites and were now living safely in Jabesh. First Samuel chapter 11 So Nahash went after them and prepared to go to war against Jabesh-Gilead. The men of Jabesh petitioned Nahash, Make a treaty with us and we'll serve you. Nahash said, I'll make a treaty with with you on one condition, that every right eye among you be gouged out. I'll humiliate every last man and woman in Israel before I'm done. The town leaders of Jabesh said, Give us time to send messengers around Israel. Seven days should do it. If no one shows up to help us, we'll accept your terms. The messengers came to Saul's place at Gibeah and told the people what was going on. As the people broke out in loud wails, Saul, Saul showed up. He was coming back from the field with his oxen. Saul asked, what happened? Why is everyone crying? And they repeated the message that had come from Jabesh. The Spirit of God came on Saul when he heard the report, and he flew into a rage. He grabbed the yoke of oxen and butchered them on the spot. He sent the messengers throughout Israel, distributing the bloody pieces with this message. Anyone who refuses to join up with Saul and Samuel, let this be the fate of his oxen. The terror of God seized the people, and they came out, one and all, not a laggard among them. Saul took command command of the people at Bezek. There were 300,000 men from Israel, another 30,000 from Judah. Saul instructed the messengers, tell this to the folk in Jabesh-Gilead. Help is on the way. Expect it by noon tomorrow. The messengers set straight off and delivered their message. Elated, the people of Jabesh-Gilead sent word to Nahash. Tomorrow we'll give ourselves up. You can deal with us on your terms. Long before dawn the next day, Saul had strategically placed his army in three groups. At first light, they broke into the enemy camp and slaughtered Ammonites until noon. Those who were left ran for their lives, scattering every which way. The people came to Samuel then and said, Where are those men who said Saul is not fit to rule over us? Hand them over. We'll kill them. But Saul said, nobody is going to be executed this day. This is the day God saved Israel. Come, let's go to Gilgal and there reconsecrate the kingship. They all trooped out to Gilgal. Before God, they crowned Saul king at Gilgal. And there they worshipped, sacrificing peace offerings. Saul and all Israel celebrated magnificently. 1 Samuel chapter 12. Samuel addressed all Israel. I've listened to everything you said to me, listened carefully to every word, and I've given you a king. See for yourself, your king among you, leading you. But now look at me. I'm old and gray, and my sons are still here. I've led you faithfully from my youth until this very day. Look at me. Do you have any complaints to bring before God and his anointed? Have I ever stolen so much as an ox or a donkey? Have I ever taken advantage of you or exploited you? Have I ever taken a bribe or played fast and loose with the law? Bring your complaint and I'll make it right. Oh, no, they said, never. You've never done any of that. Never abused us, never lined your own pockets. That settles it then, said Samuel. God is witness, and his anointed is witness that you find nothing against me. No faults, no complaints. And the people said, he is witness. Samuel continued, "'This is the God who made Moses and Aaron your leaders "'and brought your ancestors out of Egypt. "'Take your stand before him now "'as I review your case before God "'in the light of all the righteous ways "'in which God has worked with you and your ancestors.' "'When Jacob's sons entered Egypt, "'the Egyptians made life hard for them, "'and they cried for help to God. "'God sent Moses and Aaron, "'who led your ancestors out of Egypt "'and settled them here in this place.' They soon forgot their god, so he sold them off to Sisera, commander of Hazor's army, later to a hard life under the Philistines, and still later to the king of Moab. They had to fight for their lives. Then they cried for help to God. They confessed, We've sinned. We've gone off and left God and worshipped the fertility gods and goddesses of Canaan. Oh, deliver us from the brutalities of our enemies, and we'll worship you alone. So so God sent Jeroboam, Gideon, and Bedan, Barak, Jephthah, and Samuel. He saved you from that hard life surrounded by enemies, and you lived in peace. But when you saw Nahash, king of the Ammonites, preparing to attack you, you said to me, no more of this, we want a king to lead us, and God was already your king. So here's the king you wanted, the king you asked for. God has let you have your own way, given you a king. If you fear God, worship and obey him and don't rebel against what he tells you. If both you and your king follow God, no problem. God will be sure to save you. But if you don't obey him and rebel against what he tells you, king or no king, you will fare no better than your fathers. Pay attention. Watch this wonder that God is going to perform before you now. It's summer, as you well know, and the rainy season is over. But I'm going to pray to God, he'll send thunder and rain, a sign to convince you of the great wrong you have done to God by asking for a king. Samuel prayed to God, and God sent thunder and rain that same day. The people were greatly afraid and in awe of God and of Samuel. Then all the people begged Samuel, Pray to your God for us, your servants. Pray that we don't die. On top of all our other sins, we've piled on one more, asking for a king. Samuel said to them, don't be fearful. It's true that you have done something very wrong. All the same, don't turn your back on God. Worship and serve him, heart and soul. Don't chase after ghost gods. There's nothing to them. They can't help you. They're nothing but ghost gods. God, simply because of who he is, is not going to walk off and leave his people. God took delight in making you into his very own people. And neither will I walk off and leave you that would be a sin against God. I'm staying right here at my post, praying for you and teaching you the good and right way to live. But I beg of you, fear God and worship him honestly and heartily. You've seen how greatly he has worked among you. Be warned, if you live badly, both you and your king will be thrown out. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 1 to 16. We no more give honors to fools than pray for snow in summer or rain during harvest. You have as little to fear from an undeserved curse as from the dart of a wren or the swoop of a swallow. A whip for the racehorse, a tiller for the sailboat, and a stick for the back of fools. Don't respond to the stupidity of a fool. You'll only look foolish yourself. Answer a fool in simple terms so he doesn't get a swelled head. You're only asking for trouble when you send a message by a fool. A proverb quoted by fools is limp as a wet noodle. Putting a fool in a place of honor is like setting a mud brick on a marble column. To ask a moron to quote a proverb is like putting a scalpel in the hands of a drunk hire a fool or a drunk and you shoot yourself in the foot as a dog eats its own vomit so a fool recycles silliness see that man who thinks he's so smart you can expect far more from a fool than from him loafers say it's dangerous out there tigers are prowling in the streets and pu- then pull the covers back over their heads Just as a door turns on its hinges, so a lazy bones turns back over in bed. A shiftless sluggard puts his fork in the pie, but is too lazy to lift it to his mouth. Dreamers fantasize their self-importance. They think they are smarter than a whole college faculty. Saul's strength and resolve as a ruler were tested soon after he was anointed by Samuel. Though some doubted whether Saul should be king, he acted to rescue Jabesh-Gilead and united his people against the Ammonites. These events confirmed for the people his place as king. Saul stepped out and took a risk to fulfill God's plan. He demonstrates that God protects us as we take intelligent risks to accomplish his will. Tony Campolo has a great short devotion on risks. It is true that there are great possibilities for failure when taking risks, and if you fail, there will be those who will mock you. But mockers are not important. Those who like to point when the risk takers stumble don't count. The criticisms of those who sit back, observe, and offer smug suggestions can be discounted. The promised land belongs to the person who takes the risk, whose face is marred with dust and sweat, who strives valiantly while daring everything, who may err and fall, but who has done his or her best. This person's place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Oh, if only I could persuade timid souls I meet to listen to that inner voice of the Spirit, which challenges us to attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Oh, if only I could inspire them to heed that inner urging that tells them, go for it. I cannot say what a person should do with life, but I can say what a person should not do with it no one should devote one's life to safety to a course of action that offers no challenge and no fun reading this devotion from mr Campolo really reminds me that i'm really not much of a risk taker i tend to back down when the going gets tough even with this podcast when things are busy and hectic i find it hard sometimes to stay the course and continue with this thing that i've started but you all managed to keep me accountable to this whole Bible in a year with Bill thing. I thank you all for being here, for the encouragement you give me, and for the knowledge that reading the Word is always a good thing. Take care now.